Before we get into today's show, I want to tell you guys about a great podcast called Smells Like Middle Aged Spirit, hosted by Nick Stevenson, Naomi Richardson, Chris Kahn, and Josh Beard. With these four friends, no topic is off limit. They keep it real, uncut, and hilarious as hell. So if you're looking for the best damn podcast that you've ever heard, produced by the best damn podcast team in the business, look no further than Smells Like Middle Aged Spirit, available wherever you get your podcast. also available on YouTube. And remember folks, if it smells like Middle Aged Spirit, breathe it in. It's strong, but you'll get used to it. On today's episode, the internet is in the camp of Patrick Beverly, and I won't allow it. The escalation and de-escalation of Devin Booker's career over one night is wild to me. It's that time of year, so you know the Chris Paul slander is in full swing. The Eastern and Western Conference NBA Finals are upon us, and I give you a little sneak preview of it. And dudes who wear jerseys over collared dress shirts need to knock it the hell off, and a whole lot more. All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Tuesday, May 17th. Good to have you back with us. We're going to dive a little bit more into the Western and Eastern Conference championships That now that they're finally set. Warriors-Mavs in the West, Celtics-Heat in the East. We're going to wrap up some Game 7 talk as well. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But first, man, the internet is just full, full of the lowly island, man. Everybody got their swim trunks and their flippy floppies. I have not seen so much back and forth with how it is literally hour by hour how people change their perspective and their minds on certain players and legacies and all this other stuff. And it's just so infuriating. One of the phrases I love saying on the show is nobody wants to get it right. They just want to be right. Whatever just happens, they're like, oh, see, I told you. No, you didn't tell anybody. All you did was just take the most recent hate speech that you can put on some dude and then just reinsert it back into the interwebs. That's not you getting it right. That's just saying, hey, this just happened. Let's go ahead and just dog on somebody because they lost. The internet is just full of people like like Silky Johnson. Just hate, 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 hate. That's all it is. And Pat Beverly is the one leading the charge on this, which I don't understand because no more than like two and a half weeks ago, the entire collective internet was bagging on this dude, and now everybody's settling his camp because of what he has to say about Chris Paul? What the hell kind of sense does that make? It's just so, it's so obvious to see that this is what people have become. Like, Pat Beverly is somebody who nobody really thinks is very good at basketball. Now, he's in the NBA, so obviously he is good. Get Don't get it twisted. This guy's a role player. That's all that he is. But this dude's acting like he's the first Gary Payton. He's acting like he's the glove who can go out and get you 25 and 10 and 6. Nah, man. You've never been that guy. You're never going to be that guy. So you're taking stabs at the guy labeled as the point god. Now, here's the deal with with Chris Paul. I've always liked Chris Paul and I don't do lists, but he's going to be at the top for me when he retires, regardless of whether he gets a ring or not. And at this point in time, it doesn't look like he's going to. And if, slash when, he doesn't get it, it's still not going to change my perspective and my perception of his career. He's going to be going down as one of the greatest that I've ever seen be as like a true floor general. The point guard position has kind of morphed over the past 10 years or so, right? You can't just be the floor general. You got to be, if I need 35 on a night, you got to be able to go out and manufacture 35, 40 for me if we need it. 
And Chris Paul just isn't that dude. But that's okay. That's not his game. But the thing that we really, what it boils down to is like, it's an easy target, right? It's an easy name. It's, it's, Chris Paul is synonymous with the NBA for one reason or another, because, you know, he's also president of the Players Union. He's been in the league forever. The thing with Chris Paul is wherever he goes, he's going to make your team better. Now, the thing that you got to kind of look at is there have been some failures. There have been a lot of injuries. And that's not an excuse because everybody's got to go through those, right? And making excuses for when the series is over is kind of odd to me because if you never bring it up, it just looks like you choked. And that that's firing fuel for, well, you just choked. But if you say it after the fact, it's, oh, well, that's just your excuse. It can be you were injured but didn't want to talk about it because when you if you talk about injuries during the postseason, dudes are going to try to exploit it, right? Now, there's certain ones that are obvious, like when Joel Embiid had his thumb. You know, you try to you try to bang on that thumb a little bit more. But if you've got a nagging thing that isn't obvious, that people can't really see, and if you don't express it with a limp or a gait or whatever the case might be, it, you're making, you're, you don't give them anything else as your opponent. You don't give them anything to be able to focus in on. So it can be an excuse, but it can also be the truth. But the bottom line for me is we're like you're expecting too much from Chris Paul at the age of 37 to be able to play 100 basketball games every single year. Like it's just not possible at it it really isn't. It's it's too much of an expectation and when you have those high of expectations, when you fall short, the expectations turn into disappointment. And that's kind of the problem when it comes to like just life in general, right? If you're really good at what you do at work and you climb the corporate ladder really quickly, or you overachieve all the time at work or, you know, whatever facet of life we're talking about, that then becomes the expectation. And if you fall short, it's like, well, what's wrong with you? Okay, well, sometimes you have a bad day. Sometimes you have a bad game. Those things happen. But the expectations are so high that you get ridiculed on everything that you do going forward. And Chris Paul is landing in that space. Now, this isn't a new thing, but again, with people just jumping on the ship that they want to jump on at that time it's oh he goes to phoenix well that was a worthless dumb move what's that gonna do then you know next thing you know they're in the finals next thing you know they're in the western conference again in back-to-back years wherever chris paul goes you're not going to be terrible i think that's the thing that when you put it into basketball context it doesn't matter where he goes that team, wherever you were beforehand, you are going to be better. Now, over the past three, four, five years or so, because once you get over 30, it just does. Your, your body breaks down unless you're LeBron James. And he's had a couple of different issues, obviously. But overall, like that guy's essentially been Superman. And like I say, you know, when you're doing 82-game schedules, and when you've been as deep into the playoffs as these guys have been, you're playing 100 games every 365 days a year on top of sometimes playing in the Olympics. Like that is just so much basketball and you can't, you just can't physically do it. You're going to break down. But it was, it was, it came from what the hell is Phoenix doing when they brought him in to, oh, they're the best team in the West because of Chris Paul. They're the best team because of Chris Paul. And then he has a couple bad games and all of a sudden he's a chump again. Nah, you don't get to do that. Like pick a lane, stay in it. It's the same thing with Devin Booker. Like, when Devin Booker came out of Kentucky, I thought this guy's a really good basketball player. But what what do we always dumb it down to? Well, he can't win anything in Phoenix. Of course you couldn't. That was a terribly run organization with a trash roster. Doesn't mean he wasn't a good ball player, though. Now, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, he's Kobe Jr.? He's baby Kobe? Light-skinned Mamba? 
It's all hyperbolic and it's just so idiotic. And then again, they get the brakes beat off him by Dallas and it's, oh, you thought you was the mom, but you thought he was this. No, you guys thought he was this. Y'all, we had an episode last week and I said, y'all, y'all is not you all. That is not everybody, but y'all is y'all. Y'all who were calling him baby mamba. It's y'all who were the people who can't make up your damn mind and stay in a lane and have an opinion and just stick with it. Now, that doesn't mean you can't change your mind. I'm not trying to say you've got to be so strident that you're not going to give up on anything. But the hour to hour flipping flop of what somebody is and what their career is, is asinine. And of course, we'd be talking about this whole DeAndre Ayton thing too. Look, I'm, I don't really understand why he's catching all this much heat. Because, oh look, he played 17 minutes, only three fouls. And apparently, Monty Williams is saying, yo, it's internal. We'll handle it. Something happened in that locker room. And you know what it was? DeAndre Ayton wanted to get paid this offseason, and he didn't get it. And this isn't saying that, look, there are certain guys that I say you should hold off on. I The thing that I wanted them to do, and I said this on a previous show, this was, I think, on the last podcast before this one got started, was if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I'm paying DeAndre Ayton, but I am not paying him a max deal. Absolutely not. In today's NBA, that contract does not make sense. But you should have shown him some love. You should have put some kind of faith in the kid. And they didn't. They wanted to ride this out. And this is what happens sometimes. Because Booker's the one getting all the love. Three years ago, he wasn't getting any. That's for damn sure. But I feel like Aiden was just that dude who's like, Yo, I'm tired of just running up and down the court and just getting cardio in. You're not getting me involved. This dude shoots like 60% from the field. He's an almost an automatic bucket. The dude's crazy efficient. Look, when you're down by 30, I understand like you got to pull threes and having a center who can't do that is not ideal. But you still got to get your bigs involved, man. It's just like anybody else. Like when we talk about Luca, when Luca wants to get his, he's going to get his. But sometimes the team plays better when he's not on the floor because everybody gets to have theirs, right? They get to be engaged. Big men right now, especially guys who are agile and who can still step out because Aiden can still step out and hit that that midi, that you know, 15, 16 foot jumper. But you got to let them feel like they're part of the game and not just doing all the dirty work and not getting, they're not getting rewarded for all the other effort, and all the dirty sh- they're doing throughout the rest of the course of the game. And then, of course, the hyperbolic stuff is, oh, we you know, we, we sh- the, the Suns should have taken Luka instead of DeAndre Aiden. I don't know if they would have been any better with Luka because the way that those two guys run, they're, they're both very ball dominant guys. You know, Chris Paul is a guy who's very ball dominant, but he works to get guys open. Luca doesn't really do that. He's looking for his first, and then he'll look for you maybe later on. So if Luca goes to Phoenix instead of DeAndre, there's no there's no guarantee that that backcourt would be what it is now. There's just not. We'll never know. But to just simply dumb it down to Luca over DeAndre, that's automatic, automatically a better team. You pro- you don't probably don't get Chris Paul if you already have Luca. So who knows how that works out? It, you you just can't dumb it down to. If we had this guy, this would have happened when you have no clue how that chemistry would have worked out. We'll go ahead and move over to the Easter Conference real quick because one of the things I had said last last week was, you know, if I'm Boston playing against Giannis in Milwaukee, I'm going to go ahead and make Giannis beat me. And it sounds counterintuitive because we largely hear, we can't let Steph beat us. We can't let LeBron beat us. We can't let Ja beat us. Will it anybody else beat us? Luca, these guys can't beat us. We got to make everybody else beat us. Well, why not? Especially when it comes to Giannis and the way that his game is played. The other guys, that's a little bit different because they're capable of 
shooting threes and they're willing to shoot threes and can get hot at any moment. But if I'm anybody defending Giannis, like, especially because I've said this before, Giannis has a complex. He wants to try to do everything on his own. If he were willing to just take a step back and let Drew run that offense more than him, they'd be more efficient. But Giannis is a guy who can always get you a bucket at the rim, but he's exhausted because he's trying to do everything. And again, if I'm defending him, go ahead and have it, bro. You can have your 50 points. You're going to be exhausted. You're, you're only going to be shooting twos anyways. You're going to take a couple threes. We're not worried about it. We're not worried about you potentially making six, seven, eight. That's not going to happen. So you can get all your full head of steams and get on us. You're going to have to put up 30 shots in order to get your 40, 50 points to, in order to beat us. And I'd be okay with that because the way that Giannis is so effective is when he's in the open court, when he has a full head of steam, when he's getting to the rack because the guy's almost unguardable once he gets in the paint. But if you're trying to beat me with twos and free throws and that's the way you've got to get your 50 in today's NBA game, man, you can have that all you want. And honestly, the way that Giannis was playing at the beginning of game seven, I was like, this is the this is the Giannis that they need. He wasn't trying to force anything. He was staying within himself. He had a few assists in the first quarter, but he still had, you know, eight, 10 points or something like that. He had a strong first quarter. I'm like, this is the Giannis that they have to have happen for this game for him to be able to pull out a W. And he, like, it's not entirely his fault because they were terrible from three, but that's where Budenholzer also has to make adjustments. And he hasn't had to do that, or it's not that he hasn't had to, he just refuses to do anything different. Like last year when they played Miami in the first round, Bam was hurt. I believe that Jimmy Butler was pretty banged up too. Then in the second round, they played Brooklyn and James Harden was injured and Kevin Durant was banged up too. And Brooklyn almost won that series as well. Then they played Atlanta, who had no reason being in the conference finals anyways. And then he goes on to face Phoenix, where Chris Paul and Devin Booker also got hurt. They had like a fairly easy route to a championship last year. Now, you still got to win it, and you still got to complete the mission. So I'm not trying to like completely discredit it, but man, like Budenholzer has done literally nothing. And in that, in that game, seven against Boston, it's the same Budenholzer that we've seen as a head coach. Coach Bud, to me, is almost like the internet versus real life. It's easy on the internet. You can be whoever you want to be. You can say whatever you want to say. You might catch a ban every once in a while. But largely, you can just do whatever you want to and say whatever you want to to anybody. And there's largely no repercussions. It's easy to shoot threes in the NBA. And it's easy to not be as vilified if you miss threes. Because the analytics show you it is a more efficient shot. It's worth more. You can shoot it at a worse clip. And still largely be okay. It's easy to just keep pulling those and not catch as much heat. Whereas, do you have the skill to actually have a conversation with somebody in real life versus the internet? Do you have the ability to make an adjustment in game to say, hey, the threes aren't falling. Let's let's mix it up a little bit. We got to manufacture our own shots in a different way. Maybe we switch up the defensive scheme. Try to get some steals. Apply pressure. Get buckets in transition. Something. Nope. Coach Bud is the internet. If it's easy, I'm going to do it. Oh, I had to adjust and, and I talk to real people? Nah, I'd be. I ain't about that life. Man, these conference finals are going to be fun. We've been blessed with a lot of good basketball over this postseason. It's been skilled, but it's been hard-nosed. I know what old heads are going to say, that's not hard-nosed basketball. I know what hard-nosed basketball. Man, people be throwing bows and getting injured and getting punched in the face and concussions and all this other it's been hard-nosed, especially for this era, but this era is just more skills, so deal with it. But it's going to be fun, and I'll start with the West. Golden State and Dallas is going to be an awesome series to watch, mostly because 
I know that Luka's going to want to take over games by himself because that's kind of what he does. But defensively, I wonder what Golden State's going to throw at them. Because you might see Steph initially just because point guard matchup, quote unquote. But you might see them switch Steph on him for a few. And then Draymond. And then Wiggins. And then Kaminga. And then Poole. Like, they're going to give him different looks. And I and Phoenix had the ability to do that too. Don't get me wrong. But all their guys were a little bit thinner. Like, except, except for like Chris Paul. He's a little bit thicker. But he's short as hell. The Warriors have a lot of length. A lot of depth. You know, their guys are a little bit thicker as well. They're going to be able to handle Luke a little bit better. Whether they're on the perimeter. Or if he's got him in the post. Or if he's driving a lane. Like, they've got guys and athletic bigs. Like, Golden State is just built differently than Phoenix is. To they're better equipped to handle Luca, and it's actually not even just handling Luca. It's they're better equipped where if shit hits the fan and things get rough, and they miss somebody because of injury, the likeliness of nobody missing time in this series of importance is pretty minimal. You know, Steph's missed time. Clay has missed a bunch of time. He's still getting into like. Like, they basically threw him into the wolves. He's playing playoff basketball. There's no guarantee that he may not have another injury. Uh, Luka's missed time in these playoffs as well. So, what I'm saying is, like, let's say that Golden State loses Steph for three, maybe four games. They're going to be fine. They play without him before. Curry's out for three or four games. We got Jordan Poole. Same thing with Steph. Oh, he's out for a couple games? Still, we got Jordan Poole. Oh, Jordan Poole's missed a couple games? We still got Clay and Steph. Oh, Andrew Wiggins is going to miss a couple games? They've got so much depth and scorers that if they're missing one guy for half the series, they're going to be okay. If the Mavericks lose Jalen Brunson for three or four games, that gets dicey. If they lose Luka, the series is over. And I know, I know you're going to say, well, what about Spencer Dinwiddie? Yo, 30-point game in game seven was dope. Not going to lie, because I like the kid. I like his game. I think he's a very good basketball player. But if you don't have Luka for three or four games... And your starting lineup is comprised of a Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, <laughs> Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, and then I guess Maxi Kleba. That, man, that's not a starting five that is that is capable of being the Warriors four out of seven games. It's just not. So it depends on who gets injured. If it's one of the role players for Dallas, I still think they'll be okay because they still have enough shooters like Bertans that can come off the bench. They've got guys who can still get you buckets. So I'm not necessarily worried if they lose one of their real quote-unquote role players. But that's not the case in Golden State. Golden State can be fine if they lose one guy for a handful of games. They just can. They know how to push through that and play without them. But let's just say for the sake of argument that none of that happens and everybody stays healthy through the entire series. Okay, let's just go ahead and do that. I still think I like Golden State over Dallas, mostly because, man, these guys, again, they've been running this thing together with that core three of Steph, Clay, and Draymond forever. And now everybody's back and healthy, but supposedly. They've got an athletic big and loony, and then Wiggins is still capable of giving you 20 a game if he needs to. Poole can give you 20 if you need to. Like Everybody on that team is capable, not everybody, but anybody who is looked at as a scorer in Golden State is capable of giving you 20 every single night if their number needs to be called. Dallas doesn't have that. They have one guy who's an automatic walking bucket, and then you're basically going, we need everybody to get us 15 a night. You know? Like, we need one. The thing with, with Dallas is that they've got one other dude 
who kind of steps up every game. Sometimes it's Dinwiddie, sometimes it's Brunson. It's been Brunson more than anybody else in recent memory, but you can't depend on Dorian Finney-Smith to go out and get you 25 or Maxi Kleba or Bertans or, you know, they just aren't built that way. So if nobody gets injured and it's, it's just we get to see both teams at full strength, I like Golden State winning this series in overall. But again, day by day, once we see if there are injuries and, and certain guys are missing, and are you at home? Are you on the road? Officiating is called differently in the playoffs on road games and home games, and you all know it. And most importantly, Draymond Green knows it. Man, when they are at Oracle, you know that dude is going to be all up in Luka's jump. He literally and figuratively. He is going to be on that dude. He's going to see how much he can get away with and then push it even further. Because that's what Draymond does. He's going to get in the head of Luka. And this is where this is where the evolution of Luka is really going to... We're going to see if it's actually true or not. Because in the middle of the season and beforehand, and I had said this on a, a couple previous episodes, that Luka has become such a cryberry and he needs to fix that part of his game. And it looks like he has. This is going to be the ultimate test with Draymond Green being on him, especially at Golden State. What I'm actually hoping for more than anything else is a recreation of Celtics Pacers. I don't know what year it was, but it was somewhere in the 2000s, and it's Paul Pierce, and he's dribbling against Al Harrington. He's, you know, somewhere between the three-point line and half court, and he's got like that head on a slinky golden pond Catherine Hepburn thing going on, and he's like just dribbling inside out, and then boom, just pulls it on Al Harrington because they've been jawing at each other all game long. I want a recreation of that moment, but with Luka and Draymond. I don't care if it's in Dallas or in Golden State. Give me a reincarnation of that, and I will be happy, and sports fans across the world will rejoice. And with that bit of nostalgia and bringing it to Boston Celtics, we will seamlessly segue into the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. This series is going to be so much fun to watch, and it's largely because... Like we've seen Jason Tatum grow before as and actually being a really good defender. Jalen Brown being a really good number two. Marcus Smart is doing all of the little things that don't get a whole lot of love. Now I know he's the defensive player of the year, so there is that. But man, he's he's going there taking charges from Giannis. No, f- thank you. And then you got Grant Williams that's pulling threes. Now we're going to see a 7-3 game from him in this series. I don't believe that we will. But that's neither here nor there. But Robert Williams is coming back too. Al Horford's playing like Atlanta Hawk Al Horford all of a sudden. And then Miami, Bam Adebayo is just, he's one of those really skilled big guys. And this matchup I think is going to be better for him because him and him and Horford are somewhat similar players, I guess. They're both really good with handling the ball. They're great with their court vision. They're very active and they're very athletic. Their skill sets kind of mirror each other. So it's not like he has to go up against like a true big, big and isn't isn't capable of being able to hold his own ground in the post. Bam's going to be huge in this series, I think. What I think you're going to see a lot of is Boston trying to trap Jimmy Butler early because I think that they want their role players in Miami to be the guys that beat them. Miami's been a little bit banged up between Struess and Hero and Lowry. They still have guys, don't get me wrong. Oladipo's playing more minutes now and he offensively at least gives you something if hero's not or not hero excuse me but if uh if duncan robinson isn't even in your rotation at least oladipo gives you buckets but man he's such a defensive liability like he's just not playing defense at all right now currently this looks like it'll be boston's to win i'm on their side currently 
Now, it really does depend on what they do with Jimmy Butler because he's the one that's kind of initiating the offense, the guy who's putting up 30 points a night. Now, that's a little bit easier in series past because in round one, you had Atlanta and nobody's nobody's going to be able to stop Jimmy Butler there. Then you had Philly who, once again, didn't have anybody who could stop him. And now you come to Boston where you got dudes who can put bodies on you. I don't think he's going to be able to get you 30 a night like he's been getting in the first two rounds. The other thing that's concerning but not overwhelming is the fact that Boston just got out of a crazy physical series with Milwaukee. Marcus Smart hit the deck so many times. If you miss him, that's a big miss for being able to have somebody who can primarily lock up on Jimmy Butler. Again, if if he were to miss time. But maybe that's also a good thing because that, that series was so physical. Miami's still going to be physical too because they got dudes like Bam and Jimmy. But I don't think to the to the same extreme that Milwaukee was. So with the depth that Boston has, along with how well they're playing together right now, I still take Boston over Miami. Currently, as we are sitting, I have Boston and Golden State in the finals. We'll see if this thing actually happens and comes to fruition. But in this moment, that's where I'm laying. But before we get out of here, I do want to get your guys' opinion on something you can reach the show at Chopping It Up with P-Scout on Facebook. That's the primary source of where I get most of my content and what I actually put out to you guys. You can also be reached on Instagram at Chopping It Up with P-Scout as well, but it's there's an underscore between Chopping It Up with P-Scout. You can also leave a voicemail for the show at anchor.fm slash Chopping It Up with P-Scout. There's no apostrophes, no commas, anything like that. Anchor.fm slash Chopping It Up with P-Scout. You can leave a voicemail for the show. Let us know there or any other topics that you'd like to have to be discussed as well. But I wanted to leave you guys with adults wearing jerseys. Now, I am I just turned 38 last week. I still wear a football jersey at home every once in a while when the Bills play. I'd say of the 16 and now 17 game schedule, I wear a jersey maybe two games of the season. Like, it's not a big thing for me to wear anymore. I'm more like just a hoodie guy. But jerseys for me, like, aren't that big of a thing anymore. It's just not my bag. I understand why people still do, especially for people in their mid to late 30s and early 40s. Like, I feel like that's kind of the cutoff for that. But the bigger thing is, why are dudes in business shirts wearing jerseys over them? Stop it. Stop. Just, just stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. Like, if you just got off work, Dog, either bring a change of clothes with you or go home and then do it. Or what you could do, just change in the car. We, like, you wouldn't be the first person to do it. You're not going to be the last. But dudes who rock jerseys over dress shirts, collared dress shirts, knock it off. I cannot stress that to you enough. That is my advice to you for the week. All right, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and hang it up for the day. Thank you for chopping it up with P. Scott. You can reach us at... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. As always, stay up, stay blessed, and we'll catch you on the next one.